There is one absolute rule I adhere to with this podcast, a hard-line rule that I will never break when it comes to guests. I gotta like them. So bringing legendary rocker Sammy Yaffa onto the podcast was a no-brainer. In fact, when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped at the chance like a dog on Alpo. Why wouldn't I want Sammy on the podcast? His rock and roll resume reads like someone's wet dream. Member of Hanoi Rocks, member of New York Dolls, Madwana, Jet Boy, Joan Jett, Jesse Mullen, Compulsions, and even Murphy's Law. We could probably do multiple episodes on each one. But what has really got me thinking about Sammy lately is his incredible award-winning travelogue television show, Soundtracker, now in its third season. Here, Sammy travels the world, digs deep, and pulls focus onto a variety of music scenes from Argentina to Ethiopia, from Ethiopia to Turkey, Turkey to Jamaica, and you name it, Sammy will be there. But what's attractive and inviting is Sammy's approach. He doesn't introduce you to these places and their music like some stodgy, stiff university professor or some condescending world traveler who's been there and done that. His approach is filled with humility and reverence for the music and the culture. His genuine curiosity and absorption and respect is charming and contagious. Sammy is the perfect guide to turn someone onto music because watching Soundtracker, you you trust him. You like him. Your music library is guaranteed to expand after watching just a few episodes. Much like Anthony Bourdain does with his travelogue shows on food, Sammy does through music, showing viewers no matter what cultural barriers may appear to be between us, we are all bound together by music. Now look, that's not usually how I talk. Sounds kind of hippie, but I genuinely believe it. I just don't usually speak it. No matter where I've traveled all over the world, I've been received graciously and respectfully despite whatever language or cultural or political hurdles there are. And that's because of a mutual love for music. Don't think this hasn't hit me over and over again. I've been in situations where it was harder for me to ask someone where the toilet was than it was for me to sing the opening of MC5's Kick Out the Jams and have everyone understand what that was. Music is binding. Now, the events that led to this episode are a bit surreal. Back in January, JC and I went on a whirlwind promotional press tour for our new album, Wildcat. We traveled to England, to France, Germany, Sweden, Holland, and Italy. When I finally hit European shores, I noticed on my Netflix account, Sammy's Soundtracker series appeared. This is because, as most of you probably know, Netflix have different shows available depending on the territory. Back in Canada, we're unable to watch Soundtracker on Netflix. And in Europe, you can't watch It's So Easy, Duff McKagan's documentary that I'm actually in. So when I saw Soundtracker, I wasted no time downloading the show. 
I watched the first season and loved it. I was genuinely taken in and quietly noted how Sammy Yaffa has produced one of the best music-related shows I had seen on Netflix. A few weeks later, JC and I again traveled to Europe, this time to Helsinki, to do a day of press. We flew from Toronto to Frankfurt and then Helsinki, got off the plane, and immediately started doing interviews. We were jet-lagged, but it didn't stop us from yammering on about our new album. JC told me that our old pals, the Backyard Babies, were playing at the circus club that night, steps from our hotel. So we thought we'd drop by and say hello if we could stay up that late because of the jet lag. Luckily, we got our third wind and hung out with the B-Babies. When guitarist Dragon walked into the backstage area with Sammy Yaffa in tow, I thought I was dreaming. Here was Sammy, who I had been watching on my iPad in 2D, now in front of me in person. Add the jet lag to all this and the moment became dreamlike. I know Sammy's Finnish and was in arguably Finland's greatest band, Hanor Rocks. And I know he played with Dragon and Michael Monroe's band, so seeing him there isn't that much of a disconnect, but it's just that I, I had been looking at this guy's face and listening to this guy's voice in my head, and here he was in front of me. Like, I almost wished for it to happen. Of course, I started quoting the show back to him, like he needed to hear that. But one thing was obvious, Sammy needed to come on the podcast. Even Dragon suggested it. And coming from him, as a member of the Black Coffee Brigade, there could be no better recommendation. I'm interested when someone from the rock and roll community steps out of their comfort zone, steps up to the plate, and hits it out of the park. Add Soundtracker to the long list of home runs Sammy Yaffa has been able to achieve in his career. Hanoi Rocks is a diamond entry on his CV, but I'm most impressive by Soundtracker. If you're listening to this in Europe and you have Netflix, go. Watch it now and then come back. If you're in North America or anywhere else in the world where it's unavailable, I don't think it'll be too long a wait before it shows up. It's just too good a show to not spread further. I want to thank Skull Candy Headphones and Blue Mic Microphones for the support of this podcast. And thank you for listening to this. Please leave a rating and or a review if you like what you're hearing on the iTunes store because it does help this podcast's profile. Okay, now, without further ado, here is my talk with the untamed Finn, the rock and rolling globetrotter himself. Sammy Yaffa is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko's go out to love for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. What are you reading them bones? She paused for a while, flashing alligator smile, and she told me, Danko Jones. And I said, the Danko Jones podcast makes me feel alright. The Danko Jones podcast makes me feel alright. 
girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts now. Hey, Sammy. Hey, how you doing? Hey, all right, man. Good to hear your voice. Same thing. Well, I saw you uh, a couple of weeks back in, of all places, Helsinki. Uh, yeah. Uh, you would expect to see you there, but you you were, up until recently, based out of New York City. Yeah, I was in New York for 20, 25 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, moved back to Europe a little over two years ago, almost three. I, I moved to Spain first, and then last summer I got a place in uh, Helsinki and moved my books over here as well. So it's coming home after 36 years abroad, the prodigal son. And it was a weird thing to bump into you, man, just as I was watching Soundtracker. Yeah, right. It's almost as if you came out of my ipad screen to say hello <laughs> it, it was even weirder to see you and uh i uh i was at first like hold on is that danko what the f- what are they doing in helsinki yeah it's really weird yeah and i think the first thing i asked you was uh um is there going to be another season because when I was watching it, I didn't realize at the time that you are actually on your third season because we don't get Soundtracker in Canada on Netflix here. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. Uh, we're working on that. That's a shame. It's, it's, uh, it came out in the U.S. On, in, in California on a PBS, and then it was uh, spread around to different states through PBS, but it was a really short run, and it's, it's on Netflix in Scandinavia and 21 other countries. We're working on trying to get it worldwide like a fungus. Well, JC, JC's, he said backstage he's seen it uh, because yeah. he's got some other kind of online channel that he subscribes to or whatever. I don't know which one, but he's he'd seen Soundtracker. He told me about it. So when yeah. we were in Scandinavia back in January, uh, we were in Sweden and we were in Germany and France. I grabbed it when I saw it on the on the Netflix there, when I was in their countries, I grabbed it, I downloaded it, I started watching it, and so uh, I was able to 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 watch to watch Soundtracker. But I didn't realize that you guys are already on the third season. So my first question to you was, "Are you going to do another season?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got back from uh, from Israel and Palestine, and uh, we went in January, went to Colombia, and we headed to Japan in in uh april and then to russia and ireland so that's going to be the season three wow because you know the premise of the show already opens your opens up to jesus 10 seasons i mean you have the entire world as as a as an episode uh this yeah. could go on because, forever yeah and uh what i found most appealing about it was well, the way to bridge people together and mm. cultures together and to bring people together is through food and through music. And I think Bourdain has that kind of corner of the market covered. He's got it cornered. And you have a connection with Anthony Bourdain. But when it comes to music, who would be the the right guy? And watching Soundtracker, there's no doubt that you seem to be the perfect person 
for this kind of medium, for this kind of show. I can't think of anyone else. There's too much ego involved with other characters in in music that overshadows maybe some of the subjects. But you come off very likable, very friendly to someone who's not even uh, well aware of rock and roll or your history. You just come off as a very approachable, likable person. Yeah, thanks. Well, I've been touring since I was 16 and, you know, you learn to kind of communicate with whoever it is. It doesn't really matter if it's a big rock star or, a, you know, a janitor of the, the club or wherever you are, you know, it's it's uh, it's just communication between people. And and I think it's because I'm a musician, it's really easy for the musicians, whether I'm in Senegal or in uh, in Indonesia, it's kind of easier for them to open up instead of if I was, uh, you know, kind of like a regular interview guy. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but for me, coming, you know, I'm I'm a rock and roller. I, I don't know that when I see you, I, I just go, wow, that's Sammy Alpha from Hanoi Rocks, man. You know that dude? He fucking played with Johnny Thunders. Did you know that? Like that is what I come. <laughs> to the table with whereas you know a lot of just regular people wouldn't 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 attach that to you so there's a little bit of that when i watch it going wow like you're able to like yeah just blend in you know i uh, that's what i come to the table when i when i watch it so for me it's i'm watching it from a kind of a different perspective um but that's when i took a step back i realized like yeah like he he really strips any sort of rock and roll pretension and just tries to focus on the subject. A lot, you know, you know, in rock and roll, a lot of ego is involved with that as it should, as it should be to, to, to really be believable. But you managed to do a a nice balancing act where you come off likable, but you're not this, you know, you're still this personality. I I found it. That was the most interesting thing of of watching Soundtracker that I I took from being a Hanoi Rocks fan, being a rock and roll fan. Yeah. Wow, that's that's cool to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I'm just being myself, man. You know, I just happened to. It's it's basically what I've been doing all my life. It's I've been touring for 36 years, and whenever I go to a different city, I usually, you know, at least I used to. That uh, I just throw my bags on the bed in, in the hotel room and then go outside and look for what I can find, what kind of music I can find at the uh, at the place where I'm at, whether it's Buenos Aires or whether it's Milan or whatever. And uh, now I just have a camera crew with me, and right. and it's kind of I'm really spoiled with this too. It's 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 a kind of like selfish kind of thing because I've I've always been into all kinds of music. It's never been only rock and roll. I've always been into all kinds of different things. I grew up in on uh, my brother is a uh, avant-garde free jazz saxophone player, and my dad was a big Jungle Reinhardt fan, and and it's just I grew up with a lot of music in my household, so I always kept my ears open, and I got this chance to do this. It's I just took it and ran with it. You know what's interesting about Soundtracker is the uh, way you're able to uh, infiltrate. Uh, domestic scenes, uh, real regional scenes. You're able to do it in a way that I don't think any other reporter would be able to. When I when I talked to Henry Rollins, I had a discussion about noise rock and noise music with him. And my question to Henry was, how do you even begin to uh, to get into a scene that doesn't have 
kind of like a guiding uh, network for you. You know, like if you get into punk rock or heavy metal, you, you have all these guide points that help you navigate through the scene and you can figure out what you like, what you don't like. In noise rock, it's so hard. In When it comes to all the scenes all over the world, how do you get into each scene how do you do that is it a compilation that's put out by a label or is it you know like you know somebody like what how do you do that because you soundtracker really goes deep yeah it's it's uh you know it's it's it, it goes back to because i've been touring for so damn long so i know a lot of people all around the planet and then most of the so-called fixers that we have in the program they are either yeah. my friends or they're my friends friends who has been recommended Right. And most of them are in, in the music business. And most musicians that I know, uh, they keep their ears and their feelers kind of open. Uh, they're not all musicians that I that I have been fixing. They, well, for example, in Brazil, it's a label owner from from Pernambuco for Recife, and we played a. I played with the New York Dolls in Jungle there with Bad Brains and New York Dolls and. The guy gave me a stack of CDs for uh, from his label, and I listened to him on the way back to New York, and it was the most amazing music I ever heard, and it just kind of stuck with me that that when we decided to do Brazil, Brazil is too too big for one program, so I decided to go to one region, right. and instead of doing the regular normal Rio kind of thing, the samba and all that, I decided to go to Pernambuco and do a documentary about their music. Because it's not really well known, but it's deep as hell. It's it's really amazing music that comes out of there. And in Serbia, my fixer was a, a leader of this gypsy band that my band, my other band, Maduana, played with when we opened up for Gogo Bordello. We did a little tour in California in 2007 or something like that. And uh, when we started thinking about doing uh, an episode in Serbian, uh, like Balkan gypsy music, I thought of uh, Dragon, Dragon Ristich, mm -hmm. and I gave him a call, and he was like, yeah, come on over here, I'll show you how the gypsies play, no problem. <laughs> so it, it all goes down very kind of rootsy and like natural, down-to-earth kind of way. You brought up the Serbia episode. What I loved about the Serbian episode was actually the focus on Turbo Folk. Yeah. Oh man. I didn't know you knew Turbo Folk, man. That's one of those things. Yeah. I, I, I was really, what I loved about it was that is a kind of music and there's similar kinds of musics in every kind of culture, you know, that's similar yeah. to that music. And, you know, coming from rock and roll and heavy metal and punk rock, I eschew that naturally. My ears go inward. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I agree. you know, and, but, you gave focus to that kind of music, and because of that, I was able to realize there's a history to that. There, there's a history there. There's a scene yeah. there. There's a you know all kinds of things that, for I think a lot of people in our position, we we kind of uh, just dismiss it as very shallow kind of music. But you gave it some weight, uh, which I found very refreshing, and that's the kind of stuff I don't need to know about. The history of punk rock anymore we've got 20 right. documentaries on that exactly i love that turbo folk i really focused in on that it was i thought that was so interesting because a lot of these kind of travelogue shows tend to focus on like let's get down to the nitty-gritty no let's let's focus on this thing that 
we all know exists, but you know, it's got this history to it as well. I found yeah. it, that was my favorite part of season one, actually. Yeah, it's it's pretty far out that whole scene how it started from the suburbs and and how it spread, and then it was funded by the uh, the warlords and then the gangsters and all this kind of stuff. And it was really weird because we went to a we went to this barge on on the Danube River to go and interview this uh, the the starlet that we found, Yubka uh, Stivic, and and uh, it was like on one side of the dance floor was these bold guys with leather jackets yeah and on the other side was this group of guys bald guys with leather jackets and i was like what the hell's going on and it was literally <laughs> on the left the cops on the right was the gangsters that were hanging out in the same place and neither one wanted to be in the camera so we had to be really careful to only focus on stage <laughs> we couldn't like move the cameras to the left or to the right at all right <laughs> pretty it was kind of heavy scene it's a uh, it's it's a very weird thing that goes on down there with the, um, the but then Turbo Folk became kind of popular to the mainstream and all that but in the beginning it was basically gangster music. Yeah, it's it's a that's a scene that yeah I would never even I would never even try to get into so you know watching soundtracker it kind of guides you and leads you into that scene that something that you know I, I naturally is an, a natural aversion to. So I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so on your second second season, you said you, you managed to go to India and Jamaica. These are episodes I haven't seen. And yeah. I can only I can only assume what was covered in those episodes since I've, I haven't seen it. But uh, you've traveled the world. In your travels, did you get to India? Like what was your – who was your guide? What was your connection with India? Well, we played with Hanoi Rocks in India in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same thing with uh, with Brazil. It's uh, India is too huge and, and too varied with, with music to be put into like even one season. Yeah. So we had to zone in on one area. And uh, we decided to go to Rajasthan. I'd seen this movie in the 90s called Lacha Drum that, that tells you the kind of the, the the movie tells you the story of the travel of the gypsy music. It starts from northern India and then travels uh, westward and goes to uh, to Middle East and goes to Bulgaria, Romania, through North Africa uh, to Morocco and and to to southern Spain. And it's it that that movie started with the music of Rajasthan and kind of stuck with me and and we found a fixer through uh, my ex girlfriend. Uh, new people in movie business in in Mumbai uh, who were producing Bollywood movies. Wow! Well, we got in touch with those guys and and we told them what we're looking for and and then they they put us in contact with the local guy uh, in Rajasthan who used to work for the Maharaja over there. So <laughs> so we started. We sent a, a wish list of things that we'd like to cover: what styles of music and what tribes and and what kind of drumming and what kind of flute playing and stuff like that. And and these guys, they put it together amazingly. And we, we ended up staying every single hotel where we stayed. We stayed in a castle. It was, I started thinking, like, what the hell is going on over here? It's it's uh, the first place where we stayed. I stayed in the same room where the Queen Victoria and, you know, had stayed. And it was just really bizarre. And it wow. turns out 
this guy, you know, he produces Bollywood movies over there and, and he's, you know, used to work for Maharaja over there that is like, I got the context, don't worry about it. We, when you stay with me, you stay in a palace. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. Wow. It was absolutely one of the most amazing experiences I ever had. Was we played in a, we found this uh, uh, tribe that used to make their living out of gypsy, I mean, uh, a snake charming. And they considered like the, the forefathers of the gypsies. And, and uh, because of the animal protection things, they can't practice their old profession anymore that they've been doing for thousands of years. They used to catch snakes from the huts and, and, uh, and they were snake charmers, you know, with the flutes. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they adapted the snakes dance into the ladies dance. So they dressed their ladies in black and the ladies start imitating the movements of the, the snakes. And they had a band with uh, a flute, uh, I think violin and one drum. And when they started playing, I thought they were taking a piss, up, a piss out of us because it was, it was like children playing, completely disjointed. <laughs> Nobody was in, in rhythm. Nobody was playing a melody. But it was somehow, it kind of worked. And me and my the director, we just looked at each other as like, you know, they would just get taken to cleaners. They just took the money and, you know, picked up some neighbor's instruments. And, you know. <laughs> and so we asked them to play the same song again. And they played it exactly the same. It was the most weirdest, wow. fucked up thing I ever experienced, man. And then when I started listening to it, when I brought it home, and it's it's like some kind of weird Ornit Coleman of the Thar Desert or something. <laughs> it's very, very weird stuff. It's It's really beautiful. I think someone should go in there and record them and put it out. Some label should go in there then. Yeah, we we, we actually we we always record two songs, uh, each artist, and we have literally we've been now cutting uh, whole performances because we cut the, the program is only fifty minutes, so we can only fit so much of mm. each performance, and we've been spending now the last year putting together videos of this. Uh, of the entire performances and the entire interviews. So we can put them out. We're planning on starting a, a YouTube channel for Soundtracker, and that's where people can get even deeper into it. I think one of the best performances, at least in season one that I've seen, uh, yeah. was, and the heaviest moment, was uh, the Ar Argentina episode with Ernesto Baffa, when he you, you let that whole piece almost play. And uh, I thought that was like one of the heaviest moments because afterwards you said he had just lost his wife last the yeah. month previous. How heavy was that? I think you were like holding back the tears. That was one of the heaviest moments. No, it was. It was really. It was because we filmed him. We did the interview and, and he played us a song. And then after after we finished, he goes, he he asked, I was like, do you mind if I play one more song? And I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was of course, you know, and I just, you know, director kept the, you know, the cameras rolling, and and uh, we didn't know what he was going to do, and he just gave me the, uh, he said, you know, as for a note stand, and there was not a note stand anywhere to be seen, so he asked me to hold the the partiture for him, and then he starts playing Ave Maria, and we both, everybody in the room knew that he had just lost his wife, so it was really emotional, and there was like behind the cameras, there was maybe seven or eight old Argentinian guys, you know, standing, the, the bar owners and, and their buddies, 
who happened to be there and, and they were all holding back their tears. It was really hardcore emotional moment. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, you get that on film, you got to let that play out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really amazing. Now, you, you talking about India, the first thing that comes up into my head is danger. Has there ever been any kind of like moments where, whoa, that was a, yeah. that was a close call? Yeah, we we've been to the favelas in uh, in Pernambuco, and and literally we we uh, we uh, interviewed and filmed this this old hardcore punk band, and and uh, I was I was gonna go across the street just to go and get a, a water, and when I started walking across the street, the the, the leader of the guy of the band he uh, just put his bass down and and uh, just started running after me, and he was like, no 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 turn back and I was like what he said like look you, you don't know where you are and even just going across the street to get a water you're not safe so one of us has to come with you and in Turkey we were we were filming this young gypsy rapper group uh, in, in one of the worst ghettos in uh, in Istanbul and and uh, we did these city shots afterwards and we started walking up the street with the camera guy and suddenly one of the guys, he came back and he just said, turn around. And we we're like, why? He was like, just don't ask, turn around, let's go back to the van and get out of here. And what had happened was that uh, the next corner, there were about 15 guys with guns <laughs> waiting for somebody because there had been a murder in that area the night before one of the drug dealers had been killed. And they heard that the guy who had shot him is coming to that area, back to that area. Oh my God. And they were waiting for him. And we ended up smack in the middle of this whole thing. So we just had to kind of turn around and get back in the van and get the hell out of there. There's been some weird situations, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, with all your experience uh, touring in, a, uh, in rock and with all rock bands, you know how that experience is. When yeah. you're doing the touring for Soundtracker, even though you have, a, I'm assuming, a small crew, yeah. you, you, do you feel it a little more freeing uh, when you're doing Soundtracker and touring than, than with a rock band? And, you know, you feel, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, oh, you must see the sights and you must, tra oh, you, you must have seen this and that. It took me nine visits to Paris to see the yeah. Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I know. I know, man. People it's, don't it's, get it. Uh, it's it's with soundtracker. It's different, but the same. It's like there's five of us traveling around. We we spend we we actually count our ban hours because we pull in like maybe 16 hour days every day. And for example, in India, we we were there for nine days and we clocked in I think 56 hours sitting in a van. So it's it's wow. a lot of the same. It's it's which is uh, in Jakarta and in Indonesia. It's the traffic is so bad that we went uh, from the hotel to the to the. We shot this death metal kind of Indonesian death metal band, and uh, who by the way had their own ghost with them. It was fucking hysterical. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it took us three and a half hours to get there. And then when the, uh, the traffic had stopped, we had finished filming around midnight, one o'clock. We drove back to the hotel. It took us fifteen minutes. Wow! So, yeah, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of the same. But we we get to see a little bit more and different things. But it's the same thing. It's kind of like work and 
rush from one place to the other and and you basically see where you're at but but in a way you get you get to you get to take in the city and the and the country that you're in a little a little more than when you're touring in a band right i mean um, yeah exactly very kind of spoiled in different way i really get kind of deep into it it's it's uh it's it's really uh, i don't know how to even ex- explain it it's, it's not even the same if i went just on a holiday to india you know and just like you know backpacked around or something and went from one place to the other it's not even the same it's like it's so intense mm. it's it it takes me like a week to like digest everything i just heard and seen and and experienced and the interviews and you know we were in colombia we were up in the mountains in the FARC area and and uh, interviewing refugees and uh, who were actually musicians and and hearing their stories about the civil war, you know, from the horse's mouth, it's it's kind of uh, you know shocking at the at the moment when it happens and you interview and this old lady is telling you what's been going on in her life, and you kind of just then after that you move on to the next interview or next place and you know pack your van and leave and then you do the same thing again. So you do a week, 12 days of that. It's just kind of like your brain is completely fucking scrambled. You come back home, like, what the hell happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like heavy moment after heavy moment after heavy moment. Yeah. And an amazing, you know, performances, you know, musically, you just like, you just go completely like, what the fuck, you know, this kind of music exists. You know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Is there is there like a break between trips? Like obviously one trip is like an episode, but do you go yeah. from country to country, or do you get time at home and then go? Yeah, it's it's we did the uh, the first season. We did that in the span of uh, over a year. Okay, uh, because it was the first one, and we just kind of like we were trying out things, and and the yeah the travels took about a year, and then there was the editing and uh, you know post production and all that, but. The second season that we did, we we narrowed it down that we only we travel all the all the trips in half a year, and uh, then do the, all the editing during the summer, and then it comes out in uh, in the fall. And we're doing the same thing this year. It's we did uh, in January, early January one trip, early February second. Now we have a little bit of time off, and then we're doing kind of back to back Japan and and Russia. There's only like a ten day. Uh, holly, holly, yeah, ten days off between those two trips, and then ten days off, and then we go to Ireland. It's it's kind of hectic. The first episode started off with a bang. The, the inaugural uh, Soundtracker episode. As a fan, I got to bring it up. You <clears throat> you went deep, but then you ended with the only person you have to end with when you do a show on New York City, David Johansson, who I've yeah. got a framed picture of him up on my um, on the hallway of my place uh, eating a bowl of um, uh, cornflakes at an art gallery. Like David Johansson to me is a is a big deal. Um, I met the guy once and he was very nice to me. Um, yeah. And you end the first episode, you were in the New York Dolls, which is huge. I can't not talk to you now that I have your attention and ask you about your um, 
connection with the dolls? I gotta yeah. ask. I gotta ask. Well, it's it kind of goes way back. I mean, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, you know, I, I I loved them. You know, it's it's like I had Diamond Dogs on one side of the cassette tape, and then the Dolls' first album on the other. And so, you know, and Hanoi was influenced by them. So those, you know, and then I got to know Johnny Thunders in the early eighties and played in a trio with him and Jerry Nolan. And uh, when the Dolls got back together in 2004, they only did one show with Arthur, which was, I, no, two shows, sorry, with Arthur and, and uh, with Arthur Killer Kane, the original bass player. And they had some uh, touring already booked that they couldn't get out of contractually. It would have been a mess. So they thought that this, they, they would just do the, uh, the Little Stevens uh Randall's Island Festival and the Japanese tour, and then there was some festival dates with uh, with White Stripes and Peaches that they were booked to do. So uh, I heard from a friend uh, who used to play with Sylvain, uh, Cycle Slice from Hell, guitar player, uh, Donna. She called me up and said that Sil's looking for me, and I met Sil a couple of times, so we got along really good. And, uh, you know, she was, she was asking for my phone number for Syl, and Sylvain called me and was like, hey, Jackson, want to do some gigs? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> yes, I do. And, uh, but I had to audition because Joe Hansen didn't know anything about Hanoi or me or anything about that. So I had to go and go in and play those songs and, I knew all the, you know, the whole, I know their back catalog in my, you know, in my sleep, you know, right. it's, it's it's just like ingrained in my DNA. And uh, I just had to kind of like remind myself what key those songs go from. And, and I went to the audition and I got to play literally the whole first album with David and Syl. <laughs> and I was happy with that. I right. was happy. I was, I was just like, if it ended right here, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, fucking first record with them you know and uh i did those shows with them and and in the sound checks and and uh the couple of rehearsals that we did we started coming up with ideas and riffs and and uh song or two and we kind of just realized that you know maybe this has got some legs and everybody was having a good time together it was a very good vibe in the band and uh, it turned into be six years with them. It was one of the most amazing things ever happened in my life. Yeah, wow. That's yeah. I uh, through a through a mutual friend, Gary Texali, who's an illustrator here in Toronto. He's friends with Sylvain, and Sylvain played in Toronto. And JC and I went for lunch with Sylvain and Gary. Oh, right on. I had the first two New York Dolls albums in my bag for Sylvain to sign. But I was too chicken shit to take him out and have him sign it. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, but he's yeah, he very nice. That. Yeah, very nice. yeah, best. I I just did a tour about like nine months ago in Spain with uh, with Sil. It's I got uh, uh, Stevie Clason and Chris Musto who played in Thunder's last band, the uh, the Oddballs, to play guitar and drums, and me on bass and Sylvain on guitar, and we just did a short. I think it was five dates uh, in Madrid and Barcelona and and Galicia and the Basque Country. We did just a short tour and played Dolls and Sylvain's 
you know, solo material, which was freaking amazing. I had the best time. It's me and Silas totally in contact, and same thing with David. Wow. Fun, funniest guys on earth, man. I swear to God, it's like being on the road with those guys. It's like being with Abbott and Costello, man. It's 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 absolutely hysterical. Oh, uh, yeah, amazing. I mean, you know, you they say don't meet your heroes, but I took a chance, and I we were playing in uh, Bergen in Norway. Uh, at this yeah. festival, and David Johansson was playing another club, and uh, we, uh, I, I went to his sound check, and I asked him if I could do an interview with him. Yeah. And uh, he was so gracious to me. I, I like he, thank God. I, I you know, it, it, it was amazing. It was the last show of his tour, so he was in a good mood. But I finished the interview with him, and I had to run across town to our club. I got into my stage gear and then just walked on stage. And then I got on stage and I go, I just met David Johansson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. That that interview with him was, was really amazing. We, we're going to put it out at one point, the whole thing, because it was, it was almost an hour. It was like 50 minutes. He just rattled his entire life from like, the moment he heard the first song in the backseat of his dad's car, you know, in early fifties. And it's just uh, unbelievable. He just opened up and just told his story. It's, it's really, really amazing. Well, to me, David Johansson is the ultimate, what people call rock star. Um, yeah. Not just some, you know, Dionysian lunkhead who's just mm -hmm. in it for s simple kicks. Uh, to me, I've, you know, I've only met him once, but to me, he signifies the ultimate rock star in sophistication, intel, you know, intellectual, but also can get down to the nitty gritty. That to me is the consummate rock star. Yeah, absolutely. And his head is wide open to all music. That's 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 part of the reason why I got along with him so well too. We, we would give each other tapes. I mean, CDs of of all kinds. Of, I gave him some. I gave him some uh, this this uh, Bosnian uh, gypsy woman uh, Liliana Butler's CD and freaked out on that. And then he gave me some Tunisian wedding music. You know, it's like we bonded with that. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's a going back to Soundtracker. That's the best part about uh, your approach to kind of world music. I hate to say world music because it just lumps everything together. But because it kind of it it makes you think of you know, things in certain ways. It's kind of like a guy with the dreads and a funny hat on and, and uh, you know, round glasses in a way. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, I think it's a really unfortunate labeling for Yeah, I, I really don't like it. But, I mean, it's the only way I can differentiate what, you know, the rock and roll and the Western music in a very concise way. But I hate to use the term. But when people uh, uh, talk about musics from other countries, let's just say that, um, it's always with like kind of like a hands off. Oh, it's divine. It's pristine. Oh, but you kind of get in there and it, you're like, no, this is like raw. This is real. This is rugged. That's what I like about Soundtracker too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of a punk rock attitude to the whole thing. It's it's we didn't go there seeking out the biggest stars of each place. You know, it's like you know if we can get some kind of a legend, fine, we'll take him. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, but we want to kind of like cover everything from you know uh, street musicians to anything in between and what what's what's the past of the place and where where is it heading and what is the fusing of things and you know in Senegal we ended up in the middle of the 
desert with uh, with a group of female drummers. You know, some of them had used shotgun shells in their fingers so they can get a louder, you know, sound out of their drums. And it was, you know, just manic stuff like that. And yeah. And it's 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 a. Uh, I think a Clash has got a lot to do with what I'm doing, you, you know, Joe Strummer and Clash. Seriously, I it's, I understand what you mean by that. Yeah, it's it's they kind of open up my mind and head to a to a lot of things, you know, political stuff, and because all these episodes they also talk about the social issues of the place, you know, depending on where we are, and and usually you get the truth, you know, some some kind of a truth from the musicians mouth we were in turkey about a year and a half ago and and every single musician over there went political on me like within two minutes even the belly dancer <laughs> right you know? right yeah. yeah and and it's it's really you really get a feel of the place by by listening to the, the people who live in the middle of it and tell it it's all you gotta ask is like well how is it being a musician in your country you know depending on what they do and and uh you know they all have a story to tell so it's it's kind of like Mixing the polit uh, the, the social stuff with music and and hopefully kind of like open a door for the audiences to see that you know that that there's this amazing music all around the world and at the end of the day we're all the same you know that that doesn't have to be so divided. Well, I think positioning you as the host and the guide uh, makes it very palatable for you know people like me who come from kind of a Western rock and roll kind of uh, background to check yeah. in with all these scenes. I mean, yeah, the, the intense moments that you guys managed to capture bring, give me interest in what's being covered. Yeah. So, but, um, in, uh, you know, it's funny, a couple of weeks ago we were in Finland, um, mm -hmm. um, you and, um, Copio and yeah. you are playing with Michael Monroe and your face was following us. So it was just, I don't know. You've been in my kind of circle for the past month and two months since 2017. It's year of Yaffa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and, and in scheduling this, this talk with you, uh, you're saying you're doing, uh, some gigs on the side, like on the weekends with, with Michael Monroe. So is that, is that what you're doing in between, uh, seasons? Yeah, I mean, you know, we try to schedule. We we have a pretty hardcore touring schedule with Michael, especially in the summer and usually in the in the spring as well. And you know, we go to Japan and we go to UK. We do Europe and and we do Scandinavia. So it's it's I always try to schedule in between, and and it it, it turns out to be pretty hardcore traveling for me, but. They're both things that I love to do, and Michael is like my brother, and we still keep putting out good records. So, it's uh, love doing it. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's great to see you guys uh, still out there doing it. Um, uh, I know you've been with Michael for a, during his solo jaunt for for many years now with with Dragon and Ginger and Steve yeah. Conti. Uh, that's how I met you, the backstage at the Backyard Baby show. Um, yeah. So you're still in touch with everybody, and it, it's great. With yeah. So everybody who's been in the band, they're like brothers. It's it's. Uh, I can't do uh, one TV performance here in Finland for the new single because I'm in, I'm in Far East. Uh, so Dragon's going to play bass. <laughs> no shit. That's great. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's really, uh, yeah. That's great. 
Well, um, man, I don't want to I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, this has been a great talk. I mean, you know, we can always go deeper and deeper. But yeah. I, I'd love to I'd love to bring you back on like after I've consumed the the other seasons. And when is season three going to be out? Uh, that's coming out this September, October. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and there's, there's uh, art house music from Germany that is that puts out our uh, uh, the both both seasons on DVD now, and it's all in English narration and English uh, subtitles and all that. So you can go to the soundtracker semi of a soundtracker uh, Facebook site, and you can order them through that. And I heard that it just won some awards, right? Yeah, he won the two like equivalent Emmys over here in uh, in Finland for the best music program and be, uh, the best, uh, I guess, current affairs program, right? Social program, yeah. So both both seasons won a little statue for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, maybe on season seven or season eight of Soundtracker, you'll come up north to Canada and do an episode. Exactly. We go to Saskatchewan and you know drink some beers and play some <laughs> Neil Young, man. Let's do that. I could, I could, I could, I could hip you to a couple of uh, musicians or groups that would probably blow your mind, man. Yeah, no, the Canada is deep, man. You know, it's it's so uh, we we actually thought about already doing that and and going all the way up north to Inuit people and then just like trek down from there. That would be. Pretty heavy, yeah. Well, it's great, man. Just great meeting up with you and 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 chatting with you through Skype, the wonders of Skype. But it's only lucky, hap you know, the fates wanted this episode to happen. We had yeah. to. I had to run into you. Absolutely, man. It was so good to see you again, man. Now, if the fates are 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 working this way, where I can watch a show and then the person comes, I'm gonna go now and watch a whole bunch of Kylie Minogue videos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Kylie, what are you doing here? <laughs> Brilliant. Great. Thanks a lot, Sammy. Thank you. My brother. Thanks a lot, Danko. All right, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.